the word of God as I read from 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Therefore, having this ministry by the mercy of God, we do not lose heart, but we have renounced disgraceful, underhanded ways. We refuse to practice cunning or to tamper with God's word, with God's word, but by the open statement of the truth, we would commend ourselves to everyone's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For what we proclaim is not ourselves, but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. For God, who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. We are afflicted in every way, but not crushed, perplexed, but not driven to despair, persecuted, but not forsaken, struck down, but not destroyed, always carrying in the body the death of Jesus, so that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our bodies. For we who live are always being given over to death for Jesus' sake, so that the life of Jesus also may be manifested in our mortal flesh. So death is at work in us, but life in you. Since we have the same spirit of faith, according to what has been written, I believed and so I spoke. We also believe and so we speak, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus and bring us with you into his presence. For it is all for your sake, so that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to the glory of God. So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away, our inner self is being renewed day by day. For this light, momentary affliction is preparing us for an eternal weight of glory beyond all comparison, as we look not to the things that are seen, but to the things that are unseen. For the things that are seen are transient, but the things that are unseen are eternal. The word of God for the people of God. You may be seated. Good morning. Good to see you all here this morning. Beautiful text read from Second Corinthians chapter 4. That was the whole chapter. I won't be going over each verse, uh, but we will look at it pretty extensively this morning. I'll be pulling the title out of verse 7, which said, But we have this treasure in jars of clay to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. And seems like for quite a while, this uh, beginning of this scripture, but we have this treasure. 
has just been revolving over and over again in, in my mind. But we have this treasure. We're going to talk about the treasure today that we have. What is the treasure? We could say that treasure is Jesus. We're going to look at aspects of Jesus from this text in the glorious gospel of Jesus. So if I asked you what is this treasure, and you said it's Jesus, you would be right. But hopefully you could expound on it some, and hopefully we'll do that today. We'll look at what do we do with this treasure. Like, so we have this great treasure, what do we do with it? We proclaim it. We announce it to others. And then, what is the ultimate goal of this treasure? What is it all about? What is the end result of all this? And the, the end result of, of this treasure that's in Jesus and that of, of us proclaiming it is that it's all for God's glory. So when you come in or you're at the table over here for a, a coffee or maybe grabbing a donut, we had a, a lady make those four solas. And in it we have for Scripture alone. That all of our faith comes from Scripture, from the Word of God, uh, um, by grace alone, through faith alone, in Christ alone. And the last one over on the far, far right is um, to God's glory alone, for God's glory alone. And that's the end result of the gospel of everything that God does is the magnification of who God is, the magnification of His great glory. So what is the treasure, Jesus? What do we do with the treasure? We proclaim it. What is the ultimate goal of the treasure? God's glory. What is the treasure? When we look at verses 3 through 4, we read this. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. In their case, the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. Wow. What is, what is the treasure? The treasure is the light of the glorious gospel. Our church is really centered on, on this. This is something that uh, people at Grace Harvest talk about. They talk about that we're a gospel-centered church. That is, the gospel is the uh, supreme uh, story that we tell. We continually talk. Our talk, our story is about the goodness of God fulfilling his promise in Jesus. That is the gospel. We talk about the person of Jesus, who he was, who he descended from, the whole story of the Old Testament of who Christ would come through. And we talk about the work of Jesus, what he accomplished in his death and resurrection. So it's this glorious gospel. It's the person and work of Christ. And the way that this scripture tells it is just glorious. And it, it, it really is centering on this, seeing the light of the gospel. If you're a believer here today, then you have seen the light of the glorious gospel. You've seen the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ who is the image of God. And then, skipping verse 5, we go to verse 6, and it's like these two scriptures are a mirror of each other. It's like that scripture overlaps, and you can kind of put it on top of this scripture. And Paul 
restates it in 2 Corinthians 4, 6. He said, for God who said, let light shine out of darkness, has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So it's talking about this light, and in the first instant in verse 4, it says the light of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. And then here in verse 6, he says of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. So the same God, I want to look at this verse of the who said, let light shine out of darkness. He said, which is a reference. What, what would that be a reference to? The God who said, let light shine out of darkness. Just creation, right? When he, when he began, Genesis 1, 3. You know, he called light to be. So he's given a reference to creation. Think of that. The same God who said that has done this. He's shown light into your heart through his glory, and that glory is displayed in the face of Jesus. When you see Jesus, he is that image of God. And he's that glory. He's the glory of God. And so he's talking about creation. So if we keep reading and get into 2 Corinthians five seventeen, we read about, and we had in our liturgy this morning, 2 Corinthians 5.17, and that says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, all has become new. The new has come. Behold, the new has come. And that's what he's talking about. The same God that said, let light shine out of darkness, has made you new, a new creation. He started creation, and he's recreating everything in Jesus He's bringing about his new creation. And at the end of our gospel announcement uh, that we say every Sunday, there is and the restoration of his created order. Everything that God has created is being recreated in Christ. And then at the end of that, we say all to the praise of his glorious grace, all to the praise of his glory. So that's solo gloria, which we will be getting to. But right now we're just looking at this treasure. What is this treasure, this treasure and what he has done? And we look at these two scriptures, we see that the treasure is both the light of the glory of God and the glory of Christ in and through the gospel. It's like Paul reverses them. Is it the glory of God or is it the glory of Christ? And if you ask Naomi, my young granddaughter, when I ask her these questions, she goes, it's the glory of God. And then she looks at you and she pauses to see if that's going to And she goes, and the glory of Christ. And she's always like, and the glory of Christ and the glory of God. And so she really gets this aspect of the triune God of, of the Father and the Son and that their glory is equally displayed. And we sang and we, we talk about the, the triune God, our Grace Harvest Church, these three symbols equally equal Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. This is the Trinity, and this is growth. This is what we're talking about this year. We're talking about evangelism and discipleship. And so we believe in the triune God. It is an aspect of Christianity that is not uh, 
met in any other uh, religion. It's distinct to Christianity. And the Bible is full of this, of the, of the triune God. So when it mentions God, it is mention, mentioning this triune aspect of God, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. But here we have that God, the glory of God, is fully displayed in the face of Christ. That is, Christ perfectly reflected all that God is when he came to this earth. He, he reflected the Father. He reflected the Father's discipline. He reflected the Father's love for his children. He reflected uh, the Word of God. He reflected the Word of God being true, the Word of God being flesh, the Word of God, and he represented the Holy Spirit, the, the bringing of God's present manifest to people uh, in a palpable way, people sensed his authority. He, they, they sensed uh, the, pre- the presence of God when Jesus spoke and when he healed and when he prayed and when he ministered to people. They sensed the power of the Holy Spirit, evident. And so Jesus reflected that, and that's what the Scriptures say. We have this, this overlap. What is this treasure? This treasure is the glory of Christ and the glory of God. But it's the glory of Christ who is in the image of God, and it is the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. It's an overlap of the glory of the Father and the glory of the Son coming together. It's a, it's a treasure that as you study and meditate on it will kind of like cause light things to light up in your brain like brain cells. Uh, they can kind of do that now imaging and when people are studying and reading the bible what kind of areas of the brain just like light up and can be lit up almost like you know like a falsely like a drug could do like smoking a cigarette and that nicotine hitting your brain it lights up certain things or cocaine or something it lights up studying the word of god meditating on the word of god letting the light of the gospel of his word light up your mind and your spirit come this is the glory This is the glory that you have available in Christ Jesus. This is the treasure that you have in him, the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, the glory of God we see in the face of Jesus Christ. The the Son represented the triune God. We see this in Colossians 1.19. It says, for in him... It's talking about Christ in this. It's just magnified Christ in Colossians 1. And it comes to the scripture, and it's just kind of the conclusion of it is verse 19. And it just says, for in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell. The fullness of God, the fullness of who God was and is, was pleased to dwell in Christ. Colossians 2.9, he says this again. He says, for in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily in Jesus. This is the treasure But we have this treasure. In Colossians 2, this treasure, uh, the beginning of it, in verses 2 through 3, he talks about God's mystery in Christ. Because some of this is just mysterious, isn't it? I mean, you know, how do you define the triune God being dwelling bodily in Jesus? I mean, it's it's mystery. It's it's, it's beyond, you know, understanding and your imagination and everything. It's just mystery, and, and Paul's saying this in, to the Colossians in 2, verses 2 through 3, talking about God's mystery, which is Christ. Just the mystery that is Christ. And he says, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. If you seek wisdom and you seek knowledge, they're hidden 
in the mystery of who Christ is, you've got you to dig into him and who he is. You've got to like want, you've got to seek, you've got to you know, have that hunger. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. Having that hunger and desire, it's fun to be around uh, believers like that. And it's fun to be a part of Grace Harvest Church and be around you and see that there is a hunger and a thirst for who Jesus is. Like I want that treasure and I want more of that treasure and in Christ not any other thing. We focus on the gospel of who Jesus is. We focus on that, like, who is he and I want more of him? And that's what this text is, is, is revealing today. We have this treasure, and this treasure is found in Christ, and he is the fullness of the deity. We have this treasure in Christ, in which is hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. Jesus, his love for us is so great. I was just pondering Ephesians 3 about the lengths of God's love and the widths of God's love and the height of God's love and the depths of God's love. And I was pondering that and I just wrote, Jesus' love is, is so wide, you can't ever wrap, you know, obviously your arms around it, but even your mind around how, how wide his love is for us. And the lengths of his love, are, they're so long as you look into them, as you peer into them, and the, and the lengths that he goes to uh, in his love for you are so long you can't see the end of it. No matter how far you look, it just goes on and on and on and on, links of his love. And the heights of his love going upward, just going up. There's a lot of tests now of, of these guys going up, seeing how far they can go before they pass out, you know, in, on, on, on balloons and, and different things. And just seeing, because you just get up there and the atmosphere just gets so thin, you just pass out. And it's like, that's what you do when you're trying to grasp the heights of God's love. You're just reaching and you're grasping, you're going up. And he just says, my thoughts are, are beyond your thoughts, you know. You knowing of me fully, you just can't know. And you just, you just like collapse trying to discover the heights of his love. How about when you dig and you dig for that treasure? Treasure is always buried, right? You're always digging. You're always plumbing the depths of it. And you're digging in the ground. I used to have, you know, strange dreams. Maybe this reveals something to me psychologically, but uh, where I would, I would look down and I'd find a quarter. I, I, I loved finding money. <laughs> you know, that was always fun. Yay, we get to all go to the store. And, uh, and, and, uh, and I, I would have these dreams that I would reach down to find a quarter, and when I picked it up, there was more quarters underneath it, and I'd start moving the dirt around, and quarters would just start, like, falling out of the ground, and I'd start digging them up, and I'd just be shoving quarters in my pocket. I was like, oh, my gosh, somebody buried a big bunch of quarters, you know? And uh, that was the biggest denomination that I had as a kid, was a quarter. <laughs> and so it was just, you know, a, a neat thing. So, like, when we plumb the depths of God's love, you know, it's, it, we can't, it's, it's unfathomable. Like, when you go down, you're like fathoms, you know. Submarine, you know, it's like you just can't fathom, you know, the love. The same thing will happen when you go, uh, you know, go down in, in the ocean. You know, you get so far that just the, the pressure, the weight of the glory of his love upon you, like, oh my gosh, you know, I, I can't believe you, like, you loved us like that, and it feels almost like a weight of his love, but it's a good kind of weight, you know, and so when we plumb the depths of his love, we find out that they're just unfathomable. This is the treasure that we have, but we have this treasure. Believers, we have this treasure. Here to remind you today, you have this treasure and it, it motivates our heart. It, it looms everything about us um, in our minds and in our brain, brains. That, that love can illume uh, and enlighten every cell and the trillions of cells in your body. That love is powerful. It's a treasure that you have within this earthen vessel. 
within this jar of clay, within this body made up and formed out of nothing but dirt. You have this great treasure. We just are barely discovering the heights and the depths and the widths and the lengths, right? We see them some. First Corinthians 13, before where we're at now in 2 Corinthians 4, in Paul's first letter to the Corinthians, he says, For now we see in a mirror dimly. See, we see the light of Jesus. We see the light of the glorious gospel in the face of Jesus Christ, who is the image of God. We see this glorious gospel, but don't we just see it like dimly? That's what Paul says. He says, For now we see in a mirror dimly. Back then, mirrors were just the best they had was like a real highly polished brass. You know, they didn't have the you know, mirrors we have now, but, but we see dimly like that. You know, you see a pretty good image, uh, maybe not the colors, not everything, but that's what Paul's saying. We see in a mirror dimly, uh, but then one day we will see face to face. We get to see in certain glimpses Jesus's face, but they're just glimpses. They're passing moments, you know, and, and life is full of a lot of, of, of hardship also, but we get these glimpses. That's what it says, for now we see in a mirror dimly, but then we will see face to face. Now we know in part, then we shall be known fully, even as I have been fully known. We shall know fully, even as I have been fully known. There is a day coming when all the the, the barriers will be torn down. For instance, right now, you know, that important element in us now is that we have his merciful revelation of himself. If you see Jesus, his mercy has come to you and he's revealed his son to you and that mercy has given you a portion of his eternal glory. Even if it is imperfect, even if it is incomplete, we cherish it. It's that treasure that we have of Jesus. But others are totally blind to this treasure. We read about that. Their their eyes are veiled to even seeing uh, that treasure. Even though we just see it imperfectly, at least we see it. And we grasp it and we hold on to it and we treasure. We're we're in the process of seeing him more and more every day. We're in the process of sharing in the life of Jesus and his glory. In 1 John 3, 2, it assures us, it says, Beloved, now we are children of God. And it has not yet been revealed fully, obviously, what we shall be, But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Right now, we don't see him fully as he is. We're understanding him. We see him in part. We see him dimly. But what do we do with this great treasure? What do we do with the treasure that we have? The treasure is Christ. But did you get a grasp of some of that treasure in some ways about his glory? That treasure is the glory. It's the light of the gospel that is shown into your hearts. And this is the treasure that we have. And it's transforming us. A verse just previously to 2 Corinthians 4 was the end of 2 Corinthians 3.18. And it says, And we all with unveiled face behold the glory of the Lord and are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. So we're being transformed when we see Christ, when he reveals himself, when his reversey, uh, mercy re- reveals himself to us. Uh, not just in the very beginning at salvation, but over and over and over again, we're changed from one degree of glory to another. That's what God's doing in us by revealing Christ to us and having this treasure. He's transforming us. See, his glory before Jesus and before the cross would just consume you. 
But the cross has made you perfect and made you able to come into his presence and not be destroyed by his glory, but be transformed by his glory. But we have this treasure, saints, believers. We have this treasure, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. This is a jar of clay up here. This is an earthen vessel up here. And I'm looking out on earthen vessels, just pots of clay. But I see a treasure in you, and you have this treasure of Christ. What shall we do with such a great treasure? What has God meant in doing and giving this great treasure? Our next point in this sermon. What did we say that we did with this treasure? We proclaim it. We tell others about it. There's no way you can, you can keep this in. It's just, it's just the most pivotal, powerful experience in your life is that you have this treasure in this earthen vessel. And so that verse right in between 2 Corinthians 4, uh, 4 and 4, 6, the, the glory of Christ, you know, in the image of, who is in the image of God and the glory of God who we see in the face of Christ. How it's the glory of God and the glory of Christ. And right in between that it says, for we proclaim, 2 Corinthians 4, 5, we proclaim means to announce. You, you tell others about who this is. We proclaim it is not ourselves but Jesus Christ as Lord, with ourselves as your servants for Jesus' sake. So it's a proclamation of who Jesus is. You are to be Jesus' witnesses. Like, what has he done in your life? Really? You have a treasure in your life? What treasure do you have in your life? How did you get this treasure? How did you come about this treasure? Is it really that um, treasurable to you? And does, it, does it show to others that the, the preeminent thing in your life is Jesus? Is he your greatest treasure? And really, this is what Jesus demands of his followers, to be that treasure. And we look and we see that others um, don't see this, that this gospel is veiled, uh, that in, in their case, the God of this world has blinded the mind of the unbelievers to keep them from seeing that light. But we go out and proclaim it, and that is their opportunity to see the light. It's not us up to us to make the blind to see. It's us to up, up to us to proclaim the good news. And then watch and just see if God goes poof and removes the scales from their eyes. It won't always happen. But it's our uh, calling to be faithful to tell others about Jesus. And then it's such a joy when it does happen that you tell someone about Jesus, and you see the scales fall from their eyes, and they go, oh my gosh. And it's, it's neat in any kind of small revelation. I've been teaching the kids at home, homeschool, and uh, Audrey has always struggled with math, and so we're going back and just going over these things, and she'll get them, and, and then, you know, we'll be, you know, two or three days later in the quiz, and she'll just completely forget it. It's just one of those things that, you know, how for some people, math just doesn't stick, you know, and so we go back over it, but uh, we, we added this other program that's kind of fun and it engages uh, play and it's called Elephant Math and they go and she goes over and over it and plays these different games and you have these different characters and you're doing things on number lines and everything and all of a sudden she goes, Papa, come here, I just saw something, you know, and I went over there and she goes, look, and she did like three or four questions in a row and just answered them right and she goes, I can find, you know, and it was just like neat. It was like, you know, I can finally see it, and it's like joy welled up. It's like, oh, yes, and please, Lord, let it stick. Like if she has a quiz in a day, let her remember this moment, you know. And, uh, 
And so it was just neat. And I think that that kind of rejoicing can happen. There's nothing more joyous than uh, proclaiming the good news of the treasure that's in your heart and seeing someone else go, I think I see it. I think I see what you see. You know, and it's one of the most joyful and, and, and experiences in our life. So proclaim the treasure, not yourself. You're just a jar of clay, but you have a treasure. You have this treasure within you. And it's to show what 2 Corinthians 4, 7, this key verse that we're you know, theming, working uh, before and after, is to show that the surpassing power belongs to God and not to us. He takes weak people and he shows his glory through them so that you can just see Bobby, you know, he was, he had some really great, awesome brothers. You know, I'm the youngest of five brothers and I'm the youngest of 12, you know, so, you know, the, the run of the litter and all that kind of thing. And I had some awesome brothers, you know, and, and you know, and, 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 you know, glory shined on them. I mean, in, in every kind of way. And so, and, and it comes down, but if God can take somebody, you know, weak like the runt of the Barnett's and like shine through them, then they're like, wow, that's really God. <laughs> you know, and so he takes sometimes our weaknesses, and that's what this scripture's saying when it's seeing a clay pot, you know, a jar of clay, and, and Paul's saying this all the way through Corinthians, if you get into the whole letter, he constantly is talking about the, the weaknesses of, of humanity, the weaknesses of people, and how God shows power through them. So that's what this portion of scripture is at. At two, it's that we're an earthen vessel, a jar of clay. And in the brokenness of, of David in the Psalms, you hear this. And in Psalm 31 12, uh, the, the psalmist says, talks about a broken vessel, a vessel that's been broken. And in verse 12 says, I have been forgotten like one who is dead. I have become like a broken vessel. And, you know, seemingly a broken vessel doesn't any, no longer like hold you know, what you want it to hold, you know, water and, you know, the thing is no longer of really any use. And, 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 and that's this cry of the psalmist here. And, but he says in verse 14, he says, but I trust in you, O Lord. And then he cries out, my times are in your hand. This isn't everything. This isn't the end right here. And then in verse 16, he says, make your face shine on me. And that's what you have. You have this treasure of the glory of Christ who can shine on you. His face, the face of Jesus, can shine on you. The glory that is, is God. And so he wants us to know this treasure, understand this treasure, and he wants us to proclaim this treasure. In Romans 10, chapter, uh, chapter 10, verses 14 through 17, it says, How will they call on him in whom they have not believed? Like these uh, people that are out there, our friends, our loved ones, our family, sometimes our sons and daughters, others that, you know, in, in our own lives, people at work, people that we just come into contact with. Like, why am I coming into contact with this person right now? Why are they engaging me in a conversation? What's going on here? Is there an opportunity? Having that idea in our head and then being witness, like, are they veiled? Are, are the eyes of their heart veiled to who Jesus is? Maybe I can help in that unveiling by sharing the treasure that's in my heart right now. And that's what, what Paul is saying here to the Romans. He says, how will they call on, a, on, on them in whom they haven't believed? How will they believe in, in him who they've never heard? They haven't ever heard. How can they believe in him? You, you know, 
Sometimes, I don't know who's crossing your paths in your life, but it's different people than are crossing my life. I'm not going to be able to reach them. We need uh, the voices out there to go out and proclaim the treasure. And it says, how will they hear without someone preaching? And that's what we're talking about. We're talking about proclaiming the treasure. How will they hear without someone preaching? How are they to uh, preach unless they're sent? And as it is written, how beautiful are the feet of those who preach the good no- news. Your feet are beautiful when you're sent and you go and you, pre- and you proclaim the good news of the treasure of Jesus Christ that in you. How beautiful are those feet that bring that good news to you? How beautiful are the feet of those that brought the good news of the gospel to you? They have, they have obeyed, it says. And, but he, said, he goes on to say in verse 16, but they have not all obeyed the gospel. Some people won't. That was a hard thing for me. Like when I got really into Jesus and I began to begin to disciple to Jesus, for me it was at a young age. It doesn't matter really when it was, but for me it was like, you know, when I really began to grow and be disciple, I was like nine years old. And back then we had like tracks and we'd go to school and, we'd, you know, they'd have a little thing in there, a portion of scripture, and we'd hand those out to our friends. And, and, uh, and, and one friend of mine, uh, was really like hungering, like, oh, Bobby, you know, what's, you know, who's Jesus? And I was telling him, and he said, so, you know, maybe you could go home uh, with lunch with me after school one day. And I think we were sneaking away from lunch. I don't know if we had raised our hand, and I, I don't think I was supposed to in the third grade being go- going home to lunch with this guy. I don't remember, but, you know, we had to raise our hand, like if you wanted to buy food from the truck or, or eat at the cafeteria or go home for lunch. So I think I raised my hand that I was going home for lunch that day. And, uh, but I didn't go home for lunch. I went home with, with Carlos. And, uh, and Carlos was like, Bobby, and he was talking to me. And I, I went home, and, and the whole way we were talking about Jesus. And I, w- I was telling him all the stories of the Bible, you know. I'd go home and read my Bible and look at all the pictures, and I, I'd le- learn all the stories, sorry. Uh, and so I was telling him, and we got home, and we were talking, and all of a sudden a car drove up. And he goes, oh, no, my mom's coming. Okay, just keep, you know, eating all this, you know. So we were eating, and we were eating a sandwich or something, and she comes in, and she goes, she comes in, and she goes, and Carlos goes, uh, uh, Mom, uh, Bobby came home <laughs> to lunch with me today. You know, but we're, we're being good and everything. We're just eating a sandwich and everything, and, and Bobby's telling me all about Jesus, you know, and all that. And she goes, oh, Jesus, huh? And, uh, <laughs> and uh, he goes, yes. And, uh, you know, so we kept eating and ignoring him. He goes, oh, so this is the little Bobby Barnett I heard about or whatever. And, uh, yeah, Carlos has been telling me about you. And he says, and, and I want to tell you something. And I said, okay, you've got to remember, I'm nine. This is a real, like, older authority figure in my life. And, uh, and she is not happy that I'm talking with Carlos about Jesus. And uh, their family already goes to church, and she doesn't like the way I'm telling him about Jesus. And so she just comes down on me for, like, about five or ten minutes, man. And I, it was one of the first times I realized not everybody likes this message. And... Uh, and when we left, Carlos was like, you can keep telling me about Jesus on the way back to school. Don't listen to her. It's okay, Bobby. Because he could tell I was just like crushed. I was just like, you know, okay, yeah, I won't come home to lunch with him again. You know, I probably shouldn't be doing this. You know, I apologized and, and went back to school. But I think it is probably good for us as believers to know that we won't always come up against real positive reactions when we share the gospel. And maybe in my discipleship, I wasn't prepared for that. I just thought, you're going out with good news. Everybody's going to be real excited about it. And that really hurt me for a long time of, of wanting to tell other people about Jesus. I'd start to, and I'd be like, uh, 
but their mom and dad's going to let me have it, you know, or something. I better like, and I got quiet literally for almost a couple of years before I began to try to uh, renew my uh, call to proclaim the treasure that was in me. I had to fall in love with Jesus kind of over again, and I had to realize that some people weren't, wouldn't believe uh, in the gospel. But our gospel should be a lifestyle um, of, of evangelism. Our gospel is that wherever we come and whoever we meet and whoever we cross paths with, we should be willing to proclaim the gospel. That is what we are to do with this good news, is proclaim it. And don't, don't let culture, don't let um, uh, fear and all these other things tell you you can't speak out because we can and we need to. So the ultimate goal of this treasure that's within us is that it is all for the glory of God. It all comes down to what God is doing in the whole of Scripture uh, is, is that through Scripture alone, we have the revelation of who God is. We have a revelation that he saves through grace alone. He saves through faith alone. He saves in his Son, Christ alone. There is no other way to the Father except through Jesus. And it's all to magnify the glory of who God is. It is for the glory of God alone. In 2 Corinthians 4.15, towards the end of our text today, we read this. For it is all for your sake... So that as grace extends to more and more people, it may increase thanksgiving to what? To the glory of God. So what this comes down to is when we share our treasure, when we know we have this treasure in these clay pots, and to show that it's the power of God, not the power of us, when we, when we proclaim that good news, it extends grace to others. And we're extending grace to others and proclaiming the good news so that it will increase the purpose of more and more people coming into faces. It just makes God's family bigger and bigger and it increases his glory. It incre- increases the glory of God, solo gloria, all glory to God. The end result of the gospel, the culmination of the gospel, what the gospel is about and what God is doing in your redemption and your salvation and in you proclaiming the gospel is that it is all reaching the heights of proclaiming God's glory, all to the glory of him. So your sins are forgiven. This is great. We, 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 we announce the gospel that he saved us from the wrath of God into peace of God. Great announcement of what the gospel is. He saved us. He's given us eternal life. You'll live forever with Jesus. Great, great, great. All for the glory of who God is. The magnification we talked about of his name. The glory to God of who he is, all of our salvation enjoyed forever with everything being made new, that new creation that he's made you to be to enjoy his new creation. He's making all things new. There will be trees along a river in that new kingdom and the leaves will bring healing to the nations. There will be war no more. Our children will be playing. There will be no more crying. There will be no death. The new city that comes out from heaven above down to this earth and brings the glory of God fully, that prayer of Jesus, let your kingdom come. 
to earth. Let your kingdom come. Let your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. That answered prayer is coming, and that answered prayer is glorious. It's all glory to God. It's, it's lions laying down with lambs, animals, creation, trees, uh, you know, clapping their hands to the glory of God. Everything restored in such a way mind has not conceived, you know, all that God has prepared for that treasure that dwells within you right now, all that it will be and will become. This is all for the glory of God. Thanksgiving to the glory of God. Spread that grace to others. Spread that grace to others. Extend that grace to others. That same grace that God has given to you, extend it to others, and it will just compound the glory of the greatness of our God. You have this treasure Let it shine. Let the light of the gospel shine in and for the glory of God. Amen? So we're going to celebrate together the glory of Christ, that he is our all-satisfying salvation, the infinite riches that we have partaken of in the glory of Christ. And we're going to celebrate what he has done through communion, what Christ has done and how he's brought about bringing this treasure to us. So in front of you or in your seats is this communion element. Jesus had begun. He was that new creation on earth. He was all the word of God made flesh dwelling among us and he was going to make others in him be forgiven be cleansed of their sin and to be restored to a right relationship with God the Father again and he knew he was going to do it through his broken body and through his shed blood and this bread represents that it represents the body of Christ who fully this treasure is that we celebrated today and who Christ is his body broken for you and he took it and he gave thanks to the father and he broke it and he said take and eat this is my body given for you and in like manner he took the cup And he said, this cup is the new covenant in my blood shed for you for the forgiveness of sins. When you take and drink of this, do this in remembrance of me. Remember Christ and his shed blood as we partake. My worth is not in